Let's pray. Father, thank you that... Um, well, just thank you that you, you are teaching us all the time, Lord, that uh, what it means to be alive in Christ Jesus, what it means to be free. Um, help us to really um, take this in, Lord. Um, so much of, you know, if we've been Christians for a while, Lord, we, we've read this stuff before and we know it. And, um, but I want, I want to ask that you would take us deeper in it, Lord, that we would really truly understand it, the fullness of it, and that we would... Um, be able to stand on it and hold hold firm to it, Lord. When we go home, when the um, when the issues of our lives seek to overwhelm us, that we would really know the truth about ourselves and about the life that we have in Christ and about the freedom that we have been born into. And um, and I pray that all of that, Lord, because we want to live lives that honour you, and we want to glorify you. And that's what you've done in us. You have created a desire in us to honour you. And, and it's just amazing, Lord, because sometimes we don't even know that we had it. And then suddenly it's there and we want to live for your glory. And we, we want to be alive in Christ. And we want to be used for your kingdom. And we, we just want to, to do great and mighty things for you, Lord God. And, and I pray, Father, that you would um, enable us by your word and through your word and with your surpassing great power that is at work towards us so that when we leave, we really will know that we know that we know that we have been in the presence of a mighty God. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if you could turn to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, first of all. Um, Galatians 5 verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free, therefore keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Paul is writing to predominantly Jewish believers in uh, Galatia and they are in danger of going back and believing the deception that they have to keep aspects of the Mosaic law and um, most of us here don't have that problem. We, we weren't Jews before we were Christians. We, we, um, uh, we didn't uh, hold ourselves to the Mosaic law. We didn't uh, know much about it at all. And so we don't have the problem about going back into that. But we do have a problem of trying to keep rules and regulations because uh, there's something uh, in our society that teaches that the, m the uh, more we can keep to the rules and regulations, the better people we are. The, if we want to be good people, um, we do certain things. I mean, I even find, actually, uh, there's a song. I don't know. I just kept hearing it all the time. It's an old song, and it says, All good children do something. Can you remember that hymn? All good children do this or that. And I think, I don't know, I, it's just... And every time I, I heard it, I thought, I, I, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. All good, good, good children do this or that. And that's, but that's how we're brought up. I'll remember the song later. Um, that's how we're brought up. All good children do this, and all bad children do that. And we continue that on in our life, and even into our Christian life we bring that. And, and it's somebody else's set of rules and someone else's regulations. And that's what um, this day is about, really. It's about understanding what freedom is and how to live in that freedom. And it's about understanding that we have been born again into freedom. Um, 
Paul writes here, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. This is a very strong instruction. Keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So he knows that these people he's writing to are in danger of being yoked back into slavery. He's, and he's saying to them, you have to stand firm. Next month, we're, the title of the uh, conference next month, and then we're taking a break in April, you'll be pleased to know. So, but next month, it's called Fighting for Freedom. So we've been born into this freedom, but we have to stand firm in it, and we have to know how to fight for it, because everything in us and outside of us is pulling us out of freedom, back into captivity. Because if Satan can keep us captive, keep us thinking that we are captive, that we have to do this and have to do that, he can effectively nullify our witness. He can take our joy and our peace and the sense of blessing that we have in Christ, and he can uh, cause us to be so caught up in extraneous, non-essential things, that we forget that we are here for a purpose, that Christ is coming back soon, and that we have a job to do until he comes. Five, Galatians 5, verse 1. And he's, he's, he wants to tell those Galatians that the gospel is not a, a kind of an... Uh, Jesus didn't come to... to to, to spur us on, you know, to more effort. Come on, you can do it, you can do it, you can do that better, Ruth. You can keep going, you can keep going. Sorry to pick on you, Ruth, I won't look at you anymore. <laughs> you can do it, you can do it. Now, just if you just try harder, and if you just do this, and if you just do that, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel message. Yet that's the way we talk to each other. Keep going, keep going, you can do it, you can do it. <laughs> You can, you can manage that. Don't worry, you can do it. Just put your best effort in, you know. God helps those who help themselves, right? Which is the biggest lie from hell there ever is. <laughs> God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who can't help themselves. So the thing is, everything is screaming at us, and that's what Paul wants them to know. Christ didn't come here to make you, um, to spur you on to greater effort. He came to give you life, to give you life. And no amount of, of going back into the uh, rules and regulations, in his case for, for the Galatians, it was the Mosaic law. It, if you go back into that, you're denying the life that he's given you. And you're starting to take yourself back into darkness. And um, if it were possible, back into death. And so he's going to start talking in Galatians about not, uh, not trying to keep the Mosaic law. Now, we're not going to spend much time on that because we're not trying to keep the Mosaic law generally. Um, but we're going to change the principle of what he's talking about, the Mosaic law, and change it into our own rules and regulations. In, um, in, uh, when Christ gave you life, what actually has he opened up for you now? I mean, when Christ came in and you were born again, what has he opened up for you? What are you now? You're a new creation. And in terms of salvation, what's he done for you? 
<laughs> everything, yeah. If you had to sp split it up into three things, three parts, nice Christian words, you know, I want some good Christian words. What's the first part of your salvation? When Justification, justification. How were you justified? How were you called righteous? How were you made righteous? How did that happen? Through Jesus' death and his resurrection. So what's the second lovely Christian word for your salvation? Sanctification. What's that? The ongoing transformation. Who's doing that? Holy Spirit and you. He's asking you to go along with that work. What's the third part of your um, glorification? Who's doing that? Who's done that? God's done that. So there's a bit in the middle, justification and glorification. There's a bit in the middle that's done by God, and the bit in the middle is the Holy Spirit and you working alongside each other. He is, uh, he's brought you into a new relationship with God. He is the power behind you living in that new relationship. And he is the one who's giving you the understanding and the wisdom of how to do it. And uh, he's going to produce in you what? Yeah, he's going to produce the results of that new life. He's going to produce in you the righteousness that you could never get any other way. He's going to produce in you righteous living. You know that uh, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 17, which you've just quoted over here? Uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Then verse 21 says, For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Christ was sin on our behalf that we might be new creations and that we might become, ongoing process, the righteousness of God in Christ. So you were justified totally and utterly by Christ. You are being sanctified by the spirit of Christ and he is making you become the righteousness of God in Christ and you are headed for a glorious eternity. You are headed for glory, where you will be exactly like Christ. If you start to add anything in there, you disrupt the process that Christ began when he came and took, residence, took up residence in you. In fact, you get in the way of him working. Now, keep that thought in your mind. If you start to add or subtract or do anything or think anything that you have to do in order to become the righteousness of God in him, you stop him working. Your sanctification, which is you becoming the righteousness of God in Christ, is the work of the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you. He doesn't want you to lead him. He doesn't want you to wake up every morning and show him what, what we've got to do today, Lord. You know... I mean, I'm really lousy at patience, so I think we'll start on that, right? And I, I really want you to work on this here because it's just really terrible in me. Once you start doing that, what are you actually doing? You're taking over. You're taking over. And when you came to Christ, we said when you received him, what did you effectively do? Surrendered. So actually, every time you come back with, I, I think, you know, definitely this is, this is not right in me, and I want to change this, 
Or every time someone else tells you, even worse, this is not right in you, you need to get God to work on that, call yourself a Christian and that's not happening. Every time that happens and you listen to it, you're actually taking the lead back and saying, I want to be in charge here. I think this is something that needs to be done. And in in a way, it looks like humility, but it's actually pride, isn't it? I told you, I mean, I had terrible trouble driving. I was the most impatient driver you have ever met, always shouting and screaming at people and raising arms and, you know, because I was just such a great driver and everyone else was so terrible and they were so slow, so slow, you know. And so after a while, I realised, Lord, please, you know, you've got to do something about my patience. I mean, I just, I can't, I've got no patience in the car and on and on. I would pray and I would pray and I would pray until God said to me one day, Anne, there are far worse things that need changing (laughs) before your patience. I mean that honestly. And not in that tone, but he, he did say that. And that's the reality. You see, you and I, we see things in ourselves, or other people might see things in you that, you, you know, that's not quite what they should be. But believe you me, God sees the whole depth of stuff in there. And he's working all the time. So as soon as you start saying, well, it's definitely the patience, or it's definitely this, it's definitely that... What you're actually saying is, all the rest of it, I know there must be other stuff, but it's not really important, is it? This is the most important thing. Do you see what I mean? And so, in a way, that's you deciding. It's you deciding what you will and what you won't change. What's most important to be rid of? And that's the opposite of the relationship you say you have with Christ. If you go back in Galatians 2, Galatians chapter 2... And go back to that verse that I quoted, um, for I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That's verse 20. Um, And, uh, um, yeah, well, we'll read that. Let's just read Galatians chapter 2, verse um, um, 19 onwards. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. If I can become what I should become through keeping rules and regulations, then there was no need for Christ. And as soon as I go back into that thinking that I need to do or not do certain things, that I need to keep certain rules and certain regulations, I am actually, in reality, saying I can make my own way to God. I can do this. What does verse 20 actually say here? Can you just break up verse 20? Just shout out. What does verse 20 of Galatians 2 tell you about yourself? You died. You died. You died with Christ. And what? Yeah, I died. Not too fast. Let's say 220. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I no longer live. 
think about that. You no longer live. You died. What part of you died? I died. <laughs> I died. What does that mean then, Diana? Thank you. So what does that mean? The I. The self, the self you, the one that wanted to be in charge, the one that wanted to rule, the one that wanted to reign, the I, the I of you, the, all the self, the, the, all, it's all about me and, and everything's got to make me happy and I'm the one who decides what's right and what's wrong and all about me, that died. I died, I was crucified with Christ and I no longer live. How was I crucified with Christ? Yeah, how? How did that happen? God um, aligned me with the death of Christ Jesus. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, verse um, 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin. God aligned you. He put you in Christ on the cross. You died with Christ. You are so identified with Christ now. When you received him, when you believed in him, God identified you with Jesus. And it is as if you were crucified with Christ, the self, the you that wanted to be in control, the old you. That old you died with Christ. And you were buried with him. You were buried with him. And then what? You were raised with him for what? For new life. You were raised to walk in newness of life. Not just that you would be given new life, but that you would walk in that new life. What does it mean to walk in new life? To, to experience it, to actually do it, to live in that new life. Now, take those thoughts from Romans and go to Galatians and hear Paul say, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. So, you died with Christ, you were buried with Christ, you were raised with Christ, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, you died, Paul says, you were crucified, and now he lives in you. He lives in you. But the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. What does that mean? You live by faith in the Son of God. Yes, you're trusting in that work. What work? 
Yes, the work that he did. What is the work that he did? I'm not trying to be funny with this. I really want to pick it apart and get to the bottom of it. What, who is alive in you now? Jesus. Jesus is alive in you now. And it is his life in you. But the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God identified me with Christ. He buried me, he crucified me with Christ. He buried me with Christ. He raised me with Christ. I am always and forever in Christ and he is in me. Do you see what I mean? So your living is actually the spirit of Christ living in you. He is living in you and through you. What do you need to tell him to do? Nothing. Nothing. You don't need to tell him anything. You don't need to give him a set of rules every morning. You don't need to help him out with different things. You just need to basically step back and say, where you lead, I will follow. What you say, I will say. What you do, I will do. Can you see what I mean? There was a death, and it was you who died. And then there was a new life. And that new life is lived by faith in the Son of God. And actually, that translation could also be by the faithfulness of the Son of God. And I think two things are involved there. That I live this new life by the faithfulness of Christ who lives in me. What does that mean? Am I losing you? Good. It's, he's not going to let us go, you said, Janet. Is that it? Yes. And say that again, Angela. Allowing Christ to live his life through Exactly. Allowing Christ to live his life through you. And what is his life? What's his life like? It's free. It's free, yeah. What's his life like? What is the life of Christ like? What was it like when he was on the planet? What is it like now? What is his life like? If you had to give some words to his life, what would it be? Perfect. Amazing. Righteous. Holy. That's the life that Christ is living through you. That is the life that he will live through you. Except when you come with your pages and pages of notes. You know, and, and all your suggestions. And, and I think really we should go this way. Can you see what I mean? And I'm not trying to belittle it. We all do it. I do it. We all do it. Because we're, there's this battle going on between letting Christ live his life through me and me pulling back all the time, the, the old nature, the old man that keeps wanting to get up and take over and take control, the old man who's dead but doesn't know it fully yet. That old man is constantly trying to, to take over and he is being fed by the enemy of my soul. And every time I forget that Christ is pure and holy and righteous, that he lives in me, that he will live a holy, pure and righteous life if I only follow his lead, if I only let him. Every time I forget that, I step back into slavery 
I step back out of freedom. Not actual slavery, because the chains will never tie me up again. But I step back into the illusion of slavery. And that takes all my joy and all my peace. Why is it important to understand any of this and to live in the truth of it? Why is it important? Say that again. So we can mature as Christians. But because there's strength and courage and holiness in this freedom. There's great strength in it. If you know yourself for who you really are, then no one can come against you. Nothing can come against you. If you know that you live in Christ and he lives in you and he is living his life, his pure and perfect and holy life in and through you. And yes, I'm making mistakes on the way. And yes, I'm not always following the way I want to. But oh my goodness, I am going on with Christ. There is such strength in that. There's such strength. And it gives such courage If you know that Christ will live his life through you, you are not afraid to try anything. Nothing. You are not afraid to do anything. You are not afraid to say to the Lord, I don't know what work you created in advance for me to do, but oh, I want to know it and I want to do it. And today... In these last days of the last days, it's imperative that we live with that strength and that courage. It's imperative because there is an all-out frontal attack on our strength, on Christianity, on the church. And, And it is overwhelming in some ways. There is a darkness that is seeking to encroach on the church. And it is attacking our young people. It is attacking. There is such deception out there and such darkness masquerading as freedom. That's the thing. It's masquerading as freedom and freedom to choose and freedom to do what I want and be what I want. And it is attacking and attacking and attacking. And it is already attacking the church, has been attacking the church, probably for the last 50, 60 years. And we have to understand that the freedom we have in Christ is powerful. It is fantastic. It will lead us to holiness and righteousness and purity. It will give us strength and courage and joy. And we have to choose to live in that freedom and not be bound again by someone else's rules and regulations. You see, and the opposite seems true to us. It seems much safer to live within the rules. It seems so much better for us to give our children rules and regulations that they can and cannot do 
And of course, while they are children, that's a natural thing to do. But you, when you start to have adult children, what happens when you try to give adult children your rules and regulations? Anyone who's got adult children, shout out. What happens? They rebel. They rebel. They rebel. Okay, I just want to move on to another thing here because that's part of this adult children uh, thing. Um, could somebody go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5? Read that out, please. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Thank you. Okay, so you were adopted into God's family. Yes? I thought we had to be born into God's family. Jesus said you must be born again by the Spirit. You have to be born again, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1. You were born again by the living and enduring word of God. You have to be born into the family. But now Paul, God through Paul, is introducing another thing. You are adopted into the family of God. But you don't enter the family of God like the, uh, like a, the way we would adopt an orphan or a, a, chi- you know, a child who didn't have any parents. It's, it's, we're still born into the family of God, but there is another transaction that goes on and this is the important one in terms of thinking about how we live in freedom Um, the word for adoption in the New Testament means to place as an adult son it means to place as an adult son that means you are born again into the family of God you are his child when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you receive him And every part of the family uh, inheritance is yours. But until you're an adult, you can't lay hold of it. So the adoption is really important because what that means is the moment you were born again, every part of your inheritance in the family of God belonged to you and you could freely use it. Do you see what I mean? So, um, no? That's okay. You can say no. Good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, it's unfortunate, actually, because in our attempt to be um, non-feminist or whatever the other is, chauvinist, we've we've just changed every word to children of God, child of God, because we don't want to be sexist. But son of God is a specific term that was used in Greek at that time. And a son had all the privileges and all the inheritance of the father. So children were children in the family, but they didn't have any inheritance until they were an adult son. So effectively, they were slaves or servants until they were adults. What Paul is saying here is, you weren't just born again into God's family. You weren't just born in there. You were brought in as an adult son with every bit of inheritance available to you, which you could draw on from the moment you became a Christian. 
Do you see what I mean? And in that adoption, that can never be in Roman law. It could never be undone. Because you weren't adopted, you were adopted as an adult child. And the inheritance was yours straight away. No one could ever take it back from you. It was done forever. No matter what you did and how you did it, no one could, by law, take that back from you. Do you see what I mean? Can you see what God's trying to tell you? You've come into the family of God through new birth, through the Holy Spirit, giving you life. But when you came in... Everything that Christ has, every part of your inheritance is available to you right now. That means what? You tell me. What does that mean? For you as a Christian, what does that mean? Say that again. Exactly. You have all the riches that Christ died to give you. Think about all the... What, what riches are there that, that Christ died to give you? Hmm? Yes. Okay. Yes. Reconcile with God. What else? Hmm? Freedom. What else? Joy. What else? Power. What else? No? Yes, that's Christ himself, so yes. What does Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 say? You have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing is yours. Every spiritual blessing. What does that mean? What do you want? What do you want? What do you need? Here it is. What do you want? Do you want joy? Here it is. Peace? Here it is. Power to live a holy life? Here it is. Exactly. Yeah. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want wisdom? Here it is. You want knowledge? Here it is. You want the ability to live for Christ? Here it is. You want blessing on blessing on blessing? Here it is. Do you want provision in your spiritual life? Here it is. Is there anything you haven't got that you want? You want faithfulness? Here it is. You want justice? Here it is. Do you want justification? Here it is. Do you want guilt-free, shame-free, powerful life? Here it is. Everything is yours now. Now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till I grow up. I've only been a Christian, you know, a few years. I'm, I'm not there yet, you know, but I know I will be. I've still got to clean up this and clean up that and do this and do that. This passage in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, this verse tells you that is not true. Everything is yours in Christ right now. Now, what does that mean? In real terms, what does that mean in the way you think about yourself and the way you live You don't have to work for anything. You don't have to work for anything. Why not? It's already been given to you. What else? You don't have to take any criticism. Why not? 
Because I stand right in Christ Jesus. I stand in the right place in Christ Jesus. And nothing that you say can ever move me from that place. What else? I'm laboring it because I want us to really, really specify what we have in Christ Jesus. What do you have right now in Christ Jesus? Complete forgiveness. For what? Everything. For what? Well, give me everything. Just break it down. Everything you've ever done. Everything you will do. That's the biggest one, isn't it? Everything you ever did and everything you ever will do. Forgiven in Christ Jesus. Forgiven in Christ Jesus. And now someone will say, yeah, but we've got to repent and we've got to ask for forgiveness and we've got to confess. So, what? What's the answer to that? It's true. You, yeah, you are asked to confess. What does it mean to confess? It means to agree with God, to acknowledge, to acknowledge. So when you come to a place where you understand that you have sinned, what will happen? Yeah, why will you say you're sorry? Because you are, and you want to be, you want to appropriate the forgiveness, or you want to let God know that you agree with him, that it was wrong. Who will want to do that? I don't know your name, sorry. Margaret. Who will want to do that, Margaret? Then who will want to do that? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Anyone who is in him and whom he is in. So think about that. If I were to stand and say in the middle of a, like, a church building in the UK, as, you're, as Diana is saying, that you are already forgiven for everything to come. Every sin that you will commit is already forgiven in Christ Jesus. Most people, Christians, would start to say, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. What's going to happen then? Everybody's going to go off and do their own thing. They're all going to live in sin. They're all going to you know, take on this and take on that. What's your answer to that? It's impossible. It's impossible if Christ lives in you that you can freely, without compunction, go off and sin and sin. What does Paul say in Romans? Shall we sin then so that grace might increase? May it never be. It's impossible. In the New Testament, there is no Christian who doesn't want to live a righteous life. There are people who don't manage it very well. There are babies who are being deceived. There are people who haven't understood the fullness of their inheritance in Christ. There are people who don't ask him for all that they need. But there is no one who is truly born again who does not want to live for Christ Jesus. So how are we going to assess ourselves then and, our, and the people around us? Or ourselves, we'll stay with ourselves. <laughs> no, not the people around us. I'd be too condemned. So um, yeah, how are we going to assess ourselves then? How are you going to look at yourself when you do something wrong or when you sin or when you make a mistake or when you have a failure? What are you going to be saying to yourself? I am a forgiven child of God. And I didn't act much like a forgiven child of God in that. But I know that Christ 
will take me through. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am called righteous. I am becoming righteous in Christ Jesus. How will you know that you've taken a wrong turn? Hmm? Yes, and or? You'll hear me say that it bothers me when I sin and it will bother you, and you'll think, it doesn't much. I'm not really bothered. I think I'm pretty okay where I am. Exactly. It's a lie. But if you hear these words and you think, I'm okay, I'm doing okay, I do this and I do that and I do the other thing, what can you know about yourself? You're deceived. You are, at the very least, deceived. (coughs) The Bible says, if Christ lives in you, you are completely different. And you will know it. There will be a witness in your spirit that you are a child of God. And you will find your life changing. And you will find your desires have changed. And you will find that you want to live righteously, even when you don't always manage it. That will be the desire of your heart. It's easy to test, isn't it? Is that the desire of your heart? I mean, that's not difficult, is it? Is the desire of your heart to live righteously? Do you want to live for God? Can you, if you've got note paper, can you put a line down the centre of your paper, just like vertically? And on the one side, write out the child of God, and on the other side, write out the son of God. Child of God on the left, son of God on the right. How do you become a child of God? Then write it in under that column. How do you become a child of God? You're born again by birth, by new birth. So you can just put new birth or born again. How do you become the son of God, a son of God? Just in the, the thing we're talk, we've talked about, adoption, you write, so write out by adoption. What happens when you are born again in regards to the family? When you're born, what do you do? You enter the family. When you're born into a family, you enter the family, don't you? You're part of the family. What happens when you're adopted as a son? Yeah, sort of, but for you, for you. So you entered the family by birth. Now you're adopted as a son. What happens? You enjoy the family, if you see what I mean. You enjoy the blessings of the family. As a baby, being born into it, you didn't really know much about the blessings of the family. But now, as an adult son, adopted, you're enjoying the family. When you were a child, um, who were you under? Your parents, parents or in a rich family, you were under the guardian or the nanny or the, the person who was looking after you. But you were certainly under a guardian or that you can put nanny. When you're a son, 
Adopted as a son, an adult son, who are you under? You are not under anyone. You are an adult fully entitled to the whole of the inheritance in that family. So you're not under a guardian or a nanny, or you are a full, free adult in that family. When you're a child, when can you inherit? When can you lay hold of some of the, the, the treasure when you come of age, when your father says you can have the inheritance? When you're an adult son, when can you lay hold of the... It's already yours. It's already yours. This is the thinking of a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians are on the left. We know we're children of God. We know we're in the family of God. But we still feel like we're under a guardian, some sort of person who's got to lead us or take us the right way. And we're a little bit afraid we might go the wrong way. So we've got this set of rules and regulations, and that keeps me going the right way. Many Christians live as children their whole lives. They know they're children of God. It's, it, there's no fear in it, but they live like children. And they don't understand the adoption that has also gone on and brought them into the inheritance as adult children, as adult sons. If you're an adult in a family and you can draw on the family inheritance and your heart's in the right place, let's just say, we'll forget all the ones we know about who don't, but if you're an adult in a family, you have a massive family inheritance to draw upon, what will you do? You'll draw on it. For what reason? When you need it, yeah? And what else? Give it away. What else? Enjoy it. Exactly. What else? You'll build with it, won't you? You'll build with it and build up the inheritance that you, uh, the family that you're now a part of. You'll want to make your family name Good, won't you? You'll want people to know your family name. You'll want them to know the fact that you belong to this family. And you, you'll want to do good with this inheritance. And you'll want to further this inheritance. Can you see what I mean? A child has none of those thoughts. A child is constantly all about me. Constantly all about me. All about what I, you know, I need this and I need that and I can't have this. And a, a child is constantly guided by other people. But an adult, don't worry about the alarm, it's, it'll go off in a minute. But an adult, an adult son is someone who says, I'm standing up in my place and I am living the life that this inheritance has given me. And I'm going to do all that I can, just transpose it onto God's kingdom. You, everybody in this room who is a Christian, is an adult son of God. And you have all of the inheritance at your disposal. What will you do with it? What will you do with it? You're going to appropriate it. And then what? What's the inheritance? Uh, Wendy said the riches. So what's the riches that you have? You have the riches of his grace. How will you appropriate his grace? That's Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2, verse 7. You have the riches of his grace. How will you appropriate that grace and how will you use that grace and spread that grace? 
Yeah? How will you appropriate it first, though? So that's the first one. How will you appropriate the grace of God? I mean, you can't, actually. It's been given to you. But how will you, how will you lay hold of it for yourself? By faith, yeah? Yeah, knowing the truth. But just think about it. Let's just think that grace is a thing, right? Here it is. This is grace. It's in here. Sorry, you're not finished, but it's in here, right? And think of grace as water. And oh my goodness, I'm thirsty. And the reason I'm thirsty is that I've done some stuff I know I shouldn't do. And I'm so sad that I've done it. I just slipped back into it. And it was ridiculous. It was just an old temptation that came back to me. And I just, I don't know, I don't know. I just did the wrong thing. I'm an adult son of God. I'm born in his family. Every blessing is mine. So I am going to stand on the grace of God. I'm going to cover myself in the grace of God. I'm going to trust that his grace is enough for me that it is sufficient for me. And I'm going to move forward and leave that behind. You have to appropriate grace. You have to lay hold of it for yourself. You have to say, I know we sing amazing grace and all of that. And and yes, it's amazing grace that brought us into the family. But it is amazing grace that keeps you there. And that keeps on and on and on covering you in favour you don't deserve. What about the riches of his glory? Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. The riches of his glory. What about that? How will you appropriate the riches of his glory? Not, you can't fully in this life, of course. This, is, this is, will fully be realized when we are with him face to face. But you're free as an adult son. You can lay hold of this inheritance. And it's an instruction. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then in that freedom. I'm going to stand firm in the freedom, in the riches of his glory. What am I going to do? How am I going to appropriate that? Enjoy it. How? Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And praise him for it. Exactly. Exactly. I'm going to understand that I am a glorious child of God. No matter what my human eyes tell me, I am bound for glory. I was born for glory, I live in glory, and I am headed for glory. That's the truth about me. And it's the truth about every believer in the Lord Jesus. And I am going to trust the truth of that glory. And I'm going to decide that when I don't see glory in the mirror, nevertheless, God sees me glorious. That's the hard part. (laughs) It is for freedom that Christ set you free. Stand firm then. Stand firm. That's why, I mean, 
We know this stuff. That you know that you have the riches of his glory. If you've not read Philippians, you should have done it. It's a great book. No, should have. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Philippians. You, we have the riches of his glory. Romans 2, the riches of, riches of his kindness, his tolerance, his patience. How are you going to lay hold of those riches for yourself? How are you going to spend them? How are you going to spend those riches? How are you going to avail yourself of that inheritance? The riches of his kindness. I mean, we could go on and on and on. You are probably the least kind to yourself. You are probably most kind to other people and very unkind to yourself. For freedom, Christ set you free. Lay hold of that inheritance. Use that inheritance, the riches of his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, the riches of his tolerance, the riches of his patience, the riches of his unending, unlimited, persevering, patient love that will definitely see you home. The riches of that, wrap them around yourself. The riches of his wisdom. How will you avail yourself of his wisdom and the riches of his wisdom? Soak yourself in the word, definitely. And by asking him for wisdom, James will say, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And he gives to everyone who asks. And in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, Colossians. Everything you need is there for you. You want wisdom? There it is. You want understanding? There it is. What is wisdom, actually? What does it mean, wisdom? Wisdom is the correct use of knowledge. The correct use of knowledge. So, when you know something and use it correctly, that's very wise. You can know a lot of stuff and not use it correctly, and that's foolish. Um, and if you are a son of God, an adult son of God, what can you absolutely know for sure? Well, you can know lots of things for sure. We've talked about him. Yeah. You have it already. Everything is yours already. Ephesians chapter 1 will tell you that you, um, all of uh, verse 12, I think it is, Paul will say, um, no, not verse 12, wait a minute. Is it? Oh, yes, thank you. Who was that? Maureen, was that you? Did you say verse 11? Oh, Anne, Okay. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, verse 11. We have obtained an inheritance, i.e., that's ours already. That's ours already. You want to live free? How will you live? You want to live in freedom? How will you live? You believe you've been born into freedom? It was for freedom? Christ set you free? Do you believe you've been born into that freedom? 
Well, now the way you look, say that you believe it is that you draw on the inheritance that is yours as an adult son. You draw on that inheritance without fear. And you live without fear. And all of the stuff that you had in the past that is telling you that this happened and that happened and the other thing happened, you need to just wrap it up and throw it out in the trash. You know, I hear a lot of testimony. I guess you do too. A lot of testimony. And a lot of people give a lot of their testimonies what they used to be. What they used to be. And, you know, they spend a long time telling you what they used to be. And then they say they found Christ. And that's hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then they sit down. That's not testimony. Okay? That's not testimony. I want one sentence about where you were. I was a sinner, and I was the worst of sinners. But oh my goodness, I'm in Christ Jesus, and this is what he's doing in me. This is what he's done in me. Do you see what I mean? It's, we spend so long talking about where we were. Let's talk about where we are. When you go back to rules and regulations and what you need to do and what you don't need to do, it's because you're believing lies. You're believing lies and you're going back into who you used to be instead of saying... Ah, go ahead, Jane. Yes. And in accepting it, all of it, because it's complete, it's not just a little bit here. Yeah. It's the whole lot, which is amazing. Yeah. It's like, if we put it into sort of very secular terms, it's like somebody handing you, I don't know, thousands of pounds. Like, there you are, the whole lot is yours. Yeah. You know, like the prodigal son. Mm. He was given all of that. Mm. Yes. Yes. And to die is gain. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 And and we do and we don't. We go backwards and forwards from that, don't we? From that reception and acceptance to receiving it and not receiving it. Okay. So just at the end now of this session, let's have a think. Um, when we come back, I'm going to ask you to. Do some thinking on your own, but um, oh no, how hard that will be! <laughs> no, thinking in pairs maybe or triplets. Um, just um, ask yourself some questions. Are you moving forward in your Christian life? Are you moving forward in freedom? Are you more aware of your freedom today than you were five years ago? Don't know what's happened here. Maybe I've gone off. Have I? Battery? Okay, not to worry. I'll just keep talking for this. So, are you moving forward in your Christian life? 
Do you truly enjoy the grace of God? Really, do you really enjoy the grace of God? By that I mean you, you are participate in the grace of God. Do you participate in the grace of God for yourself? Do you struggle with legalism, with rules and regulations? Is it hard for you to live free? You can tell you, answer that question by saying, how easy is it for you to say no to someone who asks you to do something? How easy is it for you to say no to a ministry that you hear about in church? a need that you hear about in church? How easy is it for you to say no to that? How easy is it for you to forgive yourself in the dead of night when the enemy brings back all the stuff you did before and said before? How easy is it for you to truly believe and receive the grace of God, the overwhelming love of God for you. So we'll just think about some of those things um, over lunch, and uh, I'll see you back about, uh, what should we say, about quarter to two?